John, the 15th chapter, we've been in a series on where do you live? And uh, we discussed the fact that some people are, you know, really living in the wrong place. They're so living in the natural that many times people live in fantasy land, right? And we use the illustration, you know, on the Internet, you got to beware because, you know what, Judy could be a 300-pound guy. You don't want to be fooling with that, right? And uh, then there's other people, you know, that live in the past. And you can't get very far toward your future by living in the past. That's why the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. Amen? The past is done and the past must be forgotten in order for you to move forward and to stay focused on what the Lord's got for you. And then, of course, other people are living in the land of unfulfilled desires, and they're just not content with anything. And, and, uh, uh, but Paul said to the church at Philippi, he said, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know how to be a base, and he says, I know how to abound. And so Paul faced a lot of situations and circumstances, but he learned contentment. He was at peace with God, but he also had the peace of God. And that's, that's two different things. To be at peace with God means you know that if you leave this earth, that you're born again, and then immediately you would be in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, you know, you could look on your own time of studying, but in Romans chapter 5 it talks about peace with God. But then there's the peace of God that passeth all understanding. And the peace of God keeps our heart and our mind through Jesus Christ. It's like Rodney Lloyd. He was an instructor at Rama years ago. And uh, he was on a jet and he was talking to someone that was, I think, a little bit apprehensive about flying. And, uh, and he basically, during the conversation, he says, you know what? He says, I'm, I'm, I've got two kinds of peace. He says, number one, I got peace with God, knowing that if this jet went down, I'd immediately be in his presence. But he says, on the other hand, I have the peace of God and know that this jet ain't going down. <laughs> and so it's good to have both, right? Say, I mean, I've got the peace of God that passes all understanding. And, of course, we know that he is the prince of peace. He is the prince of shalom. And uh, so, you know, during this holiday season, you know, the enemy likes to put the squeeze on. But just let the peace of God rule in your heart. Amen? Take time to be abiding in the vine. Take time to read your Bible. Take time to pray in the Spirit. Amen? John 15, verse 1. From God's Word translation, he says, Live in me, and I will live in you. A branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. Verse 4, actually. It has to stay attached to the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit unless you live or abide in me. Amen. And so last Sunday, we, we talked about the absolute importance of having uh, fellowship with him and that you and I have a freedom of access before the very throne room of grace by virtue that we have been washed in the blood and that we now have exchanged our filthy righteousness or our unrighteousness for those pure robes of righteousness. You see, because you have right standing with God, you can have a sense of belonging at the throne room with God. It's awesome. So he says, therefore, let us fearlessly 
and courageously come boldly before the throne of grace. And we talked about how that we can do so without hesitation because we are in him and he is in us. We belong to him and we can fellowship with him. Amen. And then look at uh, verse five, if you would, and just just cover a couple points that we talked about Sunday morning. In verse five, he says, I am the vine and uh, you are the branches. Those who live in me while I live in them will produce a lot of fruit, but you cannot produce anything without me. The question is asked, does it matter where we live? Does it matter what lives in us? We discovered in verse 7 that Jesus said, If you live in and what I say lives in you, then ask for anything you want and it will be yours. Okay, so we see here uh, that we are to be living in him, abiding in him, and dwelling in him. And so our part in that is, number one, live in the Word of God. Live in the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see, God and His Word are one. If you want to know the will of God, look at the Word of God. For the Word of God will reveal to you the will of God. That's awesome. And so you want this Word living in you. On a regular basis. You know, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then look at verses 9 through 12. That's something that we've already covered. Say with me, I choose to live in him and to let his word live in me. In verse 9, he says, I have loved you the same way the father has loved me. So live in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will live in my love. He said, I have obeyed my father's commandments. And in that way, I live in his love. I have told you this so that you will be as joyful as I am and that your joy will be complete. And then he says, love each other as I have loved you. This is what I'm commanding you to do. But now notice he says, love one another as I have loved you. At the end of those verses, he first of all says, live in my love. Just like I live in my Father's love. And so here is a second principle for abiding in Him, and that is to live in this glorious revelation of how much love loves us. Have faith and be confident of how much your father absolutely is wild about you. Amen? You know, we talk oftentimes about how much we love him, but I believe we ought to be talking equally as much about how he loves us. And when we get that understanding down on the inside of us, that will turn fear out of doors. It will displace every, every trace of terror when you are living and abiding in this revelation of how much God loves you. And then you'll be able to walk in that love. You'll be able to display his love to others because you know how much he loves you. And then you'll be able to love your neighbor as yourself. You'll be able to forgive. You'll be able to walk in the realm where God walks by living and abiding in his love. And you talk about experiencing his presence. 
You talk about experiencing the goodness of God, the presence of God, and the goodness of God, and the manifestations of the Lord will follow a person that has the life of God and the love of God flowing through them. Paul prayed this. He prayed that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. He prayed that you would have the richest measure. Think about it. The richest measure of His divine presence. And become a body or a person that is wholly filled and flooded with God or love Himself. Woo! I don't know that we've even got a hold of that yet, but I'm reaching for it. I'm scratching toward it. I want greater presence in my life. In order for there to be greater presence in my life, there's got to be a greater demonstration of the love of God flowing through my life. Because you see, God is love. Amen? Say with me, Lord, my prayer is that I would have the richest measure of your divine presence and become a person wholly filled and flooded with you. Amen? Amen. Now, in, in, in connection with what I, I've been teaching and in connection with what, I, what I've been preaching, um, I, I want to talk to you as we live our lives in Him, how that you and I can absolutely be safe in an unsafe world. Psalms 8, verse 4. Let's look over there. How we can be safe in an unsafe world. How many of you like to lay your head down at night and be able to sleep without a sense of fear? Now, that's what the psalmist was tapping into. In Psalms 8, 4, he says, I will both lay me down in peace. He didn't say, I'm going to lay down and worry. I'm going to lay down and toss and turn because of the potential cliff? No. He says, I'm going to lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only make me to dwell in what? Safety. One translation says, is he keeps me perfectly safe. What the psalmist is saying is, you alone, O Lord, can keep me perfectly safe. Now, turn over to Psalm 91, if you would, and let's look at verse 1. And what do you say we feed on the Word tonight? How to live, how to be safe in an unsafe world. And I, and I don't think we need to rehearse, you know, what's going on in the world and the potential for danger in the world. But if you will live in this safe place, you will be the safest of the safe. Amen. Praise the Lord. A safe place. Psalm 91 verse 1 says this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place is the safe place. It is the place of safety for the born again, spirit filled Christian. And he that dwelleth, not he that occasionally drops by, but he that lives in me, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he shall abide under the shadow of Almighty. I love that. Under the shadow of El Shaddai. What this is saying is, 
Your God is more than enough to keep you safe in an unsafe world. Your God has given his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways, even in the midst of an unsafe world. I'm dwelling. How about you? The word dwell there means to, to lodge. It means to, to dwell in his presence. It means to stay close to God, to dwell in his word, in the safe place. Safe. We're the safest of the safe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Stay close to him. Live in vital union with him. This safe place is inaccessible to the devil. Look at the Amplified in Psalms 91. Psalms 91 in the Amplified version. Notice this with me. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall lose their mind. Here's how to stay stable in an unstable world. Dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Now notice, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no foe can withstand. Glory to God. You become inaccessible to the enemy when you remain under his shadow. You got a safe place where the enemy can't get to you. But you can't be wishy-washy. You just can't have one foot in the world and then one foot in God. You can't be one day up and one day down, the next day almost level to the ground. You know, people that don't do their due diligence of dwelling in the secret place of the Most High become targets for the enemy. Now notice with me in verse 2 of Psalm 91. He said, I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. On him I lean and rely, and in him I confidently trust. Oh, I'm telling you what. If you want to remain stable and fixed under the shadow of El Shaddai, you've got to get your tongue in alignment with the word of God. Notice the psalmist said, look. I'm in this secret place, and I'm going to stay in this secret place. And one way that I stay close to God is I say what God's Word says about my situation. There is authority in words that are filled with faith. Paul called it the spirit of faith. He said, we have believed, and therefore have we spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. It's important to know what you believe. But believing really is not enough. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is not enough to become a Christian. You must declare His Lordship over your life with your mouth. For it is with the heart that man believeth unto righteousness, and it is with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation. 
You see, if you want to get unto some things, how many of you want to get unto some things? I mean, you want to get out of some things because you want to get into some things. How many of you want to get unto divine prosperity and unto divine healing? If you want to get unto those things that salvation provides for you, you got to believe and speak. You got to hook your speaker up with your believer. That's just how it goes. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Christianity is called the great confession. And confession is simply saying the same thing about yourself that God said about you. So when you're saying what God is saying about you, you're not lying. Even though in the natural realm it don't look good, it don't feel good, you are saying with your mouth what God's Word says about you, and you will have what you say based on the Word of God. Faith-filled words are going to dominate the laws of sin and death. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how the situation looks like, give God something to work with. Start dwelling in Him. Stay close to God, and God will come close to you. Live in His Word. Meditate His Word. Speak His Word, and His Word will be performed on your behalf. Because we serve the great promise keeper who's the great performer. Can you shout with me just a little bit? Hallelujah, how to be safe in an unsafe world. Say what he said. Let the redeemed of the Lord not just believe so, but let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. Where the word of a king is, there is power. You are kings and priests unto him, designed as speaking spirits to say what he said and to have what he wants you to have. Whoo, thank you, Lord. And the more you do it, the stronger you'll get. The more you do it, the bolder you get. Amen? Now notice, saying what he has said positions you and I to be the safest of the safe. I refuse to talk about accidents. I refuse to talk about fear when it knocks on the door of my soul. Yeah, I've heard the same lies you have. You're going to get on the jet and you're going to make it. Mr. Devil, you better just step back right now because one of the king's kid is coming on this and I'm taking this jet, hallelujah, hostage with the glory of God. See, the same lies come to my soul that come to your soul. Don't talk about accidents. Don't talk about your fears. Don't talk about the sickness and disease. Don't talk about the lack. Talk about what God's Word says. Amen? Stay safe in an unsafe world. Now notice the progression here in verse 3. Of course, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Verse 3, for then. For then. See, you do what you do, and He'll do what He do. I know that ain't good English, but it preaches. In other words, if you will do your part, God will always do his part. Amen? So it's a matter of just positioning yourself. For then he will deliver you from the snares of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. 
How many of you remember a Holy Ghost preacher by the name of R.W. Shambach? He'd, uh, he'd get up there and preach, man. He says, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. You talk about a tent revivalist, man. White man preaching like a black man. Could preach the word of God, I'm telling you. But no notice this word fowler. Shambach says, the Bible calls the devil a fowler because he's always trying to foul things up. But my Bible says... He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. There are snares out there. There are setups out there. But you know what? We're safe. We're safe. We're in the safe place. We're in the safe house. Amen? He's going to deliver you from the uh, snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you, in verse 4, with his pinions. And under his wings you will trust and you will find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness, they are a shield and they are a buckler unto you. Look at Isaiah chapter 31 and verse 5. Now I want to notice this in the New Living Translation. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Psalm, now what verse did I say? It's Isaiah 31 verse 5 in the New Living Translation. I love this. Isaiah 31, 5. The Lord Almighty. That's El Shaddai. The Lord Almighty. Will hover over Jerusalem as a bird hovers around its nest. He will defend and save the city. He will pass over it and rescue it. Hallelujah. So see the picture here. See this word picture. He's hovering. He's covering like a bird. He's just hovering over Jerusalem. I want you to see tonight that there is a power that's hovering over you. It is the power of El Shaddai. That's our heavenly father. That's our protection. That's our safety. What a relief it is living under his shadow. Amen. And so don't put fear into your kids. You know, teach your kids that automobiles, you know, at, a, at going at 60 miles an hour with that much tonnage, you know, can be very destructive if mishandled. Teach them to, to drive with respect and to drive with honor and to drive under the laws of the land. Come on, somebody. But don't put fear in them. Amen. You know, teach your children, teach your, your loved ones, you know, what happens to them if they, if they get out of the safe place. But never by a spirit of fear, always by the spirit of faith. Matthew 23, verse 37. Let's look at that one. Matthew 23, verse 37. I'm about to preach me up a sweat. Can I take my shirt off? I meant to say sweater. Just make sure you're we're making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> Let's just shout a minute. Will we chew it? Glory to God. 
Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. When the enemy comes against you one way, he's going to have to flee before you seven ways. Amen? Woo! Glory to God. He's hovering over us. Matthew 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them, which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered their chickens under her wings, and you would not. In other words, there was the invitation, but they would not. You know, we have a divine invitation to a continually holy visit uh, uh, fellowship with the Father. Let's not be like them and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So what God is saying to all of us, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Get under my wings. Yet millions don't do it. How often, think about it for our nation, how often has he called upon this nation and this nation hasn't answered? Oh, but there's salt in this nation that is answering. There are righteous in this nation that are rising up and using their authority. Now, notice with me in in first Peter, chapter five, verse eight. I believe this, that if you've gotten out from under the secret place, you can get back under as easy as you got out. All you got to do is run to him, run to him, run into that place. In first Peter, chapter five, eight, it says, be sober. It's a revelation for some people. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he what? Whom he may devour. So what this is saying is be on your toes and be watchful because the enemy is a destroyer. Is that right? But I'm telling you, when you're in that secret place and you're under his wings, all your enemy can see is those great big wings. He can't find you and me. Why? Because we're lodged in that place. He covers us. I got a question for you tonight. Can God cover a person? Can God cover a church? Can God cover a family? Can God keep you safe? Can God cover this nation? Absolutely, He can. I'm telling you, there is still a United States of America because of Him. And because of the righteous that are standing in the gap. You know, without Him, we couldn't make it through the night. But I'm so thankful we're not without Him. You know, other nations have existed longer than the United States. Did you know that? And you can't even find some of them today. This nation needs God's covering. And you and I are part of the great body of Christ. Called upon to declare faith-filled words and pray faith-filled prayers over this nation. The safe place. The safe place. And some people say, well, you know. I've got an alarm system. 
I'm safe. Now, I had ADT come over to my house today, and I've had an alarm system in our home for a number of years, and we didn't have it. But I'm going to get an alarm system in my home. Somebody says, aren't you in faith? Yeah, I'm in faith, but I'm not stupid. You know, the Bible says that we're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, right? But I'll tell you right now, my faith is not in the alarm system. But people think, well, you know, I've got an alarm system. I've got the safest car money can buy. I've got 15 insurance policies. That's all false security. False security. A good friend of mine who lived in in one of the richest areas in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. He lived out in the suburbs, had a huge home, you know, probably 4,000 square foot. Owned his own business. And he would uh, go and install, you know, fire extinguishers into business and into homes and so forth. And uh, he made the mistake of keeping his garage door open one night. And, uh, and his garage, garage door was kept open all night, forgot to close it. So they were in bed. They woke up to a revolver on his head. Woke he and his wife up. And uh, said, come on, we're going to go to all the ATMs. We're going to get as much money as we can. And uh, their plan was is to put him in the trunk of the car and take him to all these different places. And uh, the Lord gave him a word. He says, I'm going to give you one opportunity, and I'll know, you'll know when to seize it. So this guy played hockey for the University of Minnesota. You know, kind of short and stubby, real tough. And at the right time, the Lord showed me, you, you do it now. They were in the garage, and I think that there were some fire extinguishers there around, and he seized the moment, and he apprehended that guy and, and just absolutely knocked him cold. <laughs> but that's out in the richest suburbs, you know? You see, the, 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 people think, well, it's unsafe to live here. It's unsafe to live there. Listen, the safest place for you to live is in the will of God. Are you hearing that? In the will of God. You know, you've been hearing about all the the bombings and stuff over in Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, Hamas, you know, sending over uh, missiles from uh, Gaza. And, of course, Lebanon is, is right up there by northern Israel. When we were over there, you could look over the hill and you could see all of the yellow houses and the yellow flags, which is the color of Hamas. And Hamas is a terrorist organization. And their main headquarter is over in Beirut, Lebanon. When we were in Beirut, Lebanon with Keith Hershey, Brenda and I, a couple years ago, um, it was the middle of the night when we got in. And, uh, you know, the old war-torn part of the city, we were driving through that. And then we got to one neighborhood where this was this huge tank there with military soldiers on it. And we said, what's that? Well, you're coming into the Christian section, and Hamas has great big tanks right there. And they're patrolling their territory. Now, Keith Hershey goes over to Beirut, Lebanon, and he goes to the areas that you probably wouldn't want to go to unless you were in the will of God. As a matter of fact, their building, which is 40,000 square feet over there, has holes in it from missiles during that great big war back a few years ago. But right smack dab 
in the center of the most war-torn part of that city lies a mission center towering with the glory of God and towering with the presence of God. And they're smack dab in the will of God. And they are the safest of the safe. They are the safest of the safe. Recently, Billy Bram and Lynn Hammond and, and our friends from Las Vegas, the Sharons, they had a great big tour over in Jerusalem. And uh, they were down at the Wailing Wall. And the Wailing Wall is in the old city. And the Wailing Wall is where you go and, and, uh, and the, the rabbis and a lot of the Jews go there. And they go up against the Wailing Wall and they, and they pray. They pray like this. And they pray their prayers. And then they write little requests and they put the little requests in the holes of the wall. And so the Wailing Wall is a very interesting place to go to. We went there when we were there. But we read recently that the Sharons were there and Billy was there and Lynn and all of them were there. And they had to vacate the Wailing Wall because the sirens went off because they were sending missiles over from Gaza into Jerusalem. But you know what? These men and these women of God live in him. And so therefore, there's no cause for alarm when you're in him. Now, you certainly vacate. You certainly do what they tell you to do. But I know for a fact that those folks live in the 91st Psalm. And as a result, no weapon formed against them prospered. When Brenda and I were there, we got on the bus. How many were in that tour, honey? About 30 in the tour. It was a one bus. But every morning, what we would do is we would take the 91st Psalm. This is a psalm of safety. This is a psalm of protection. And Billy would stand up as only Billy can do. Very expressive, you know. Wonderful woman of God. And she would say, okay, now let's read the 91st Psalm. So every day, every morning, we'd read the 91st Psalm. 91st Psalm. We went through areas in Israel where we had to have armored guards with us. We had to have people with machine guns on the bus with us because we were going through certain territories in Israel that were not friendly. But there never once was a sense of fear. Why? Because we live in him and we live in the secret place. Now, you don't want to go out and do things stupid. You know, you don't want to go out and be a snake handler. You know, you've seen some of those snake handlers on TV, you know, trying to prove they've got faith and some of them are dead today. You know. Well, you know, Jesus said you can take up anything deadly and drink it and it'll not hurt you. Let's see. Doing. Uh-uh. The main thing what I'm trying to say tonight is make sure that your life is right. And only you can know that. Make sure that there's nothing funny going on in your life. Amen? Do your best to serve Him, obey Him, and to live in Him, and you can trust Him to keep you. You can trust Him to protect you. Amen? I believe that before the rapture of the church happens or before this is all over with, there may be some other things that come up. There may be some earthquakes. Somebody says, oh, you're speaking unbelief. No, I'm saying what Jesus said. 
He said there's going to be famines, there's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. We've already seen them, right? 1989, what, what was it? World Series. Game four. How many of you were there in 1989? How many of you were in the earthquake in 89? All right. How many of you are still here? I just was wondering. All right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our safety is in Him. Our nation's hope is in Him. Look at verse 5. Let's read verse 5 right on through verse 11. Let's read this, I believe, in the Amplified Version. It says, You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night. That's terrorists. Nor for the arrow or the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day. Verse 6. Nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. Did you hear about the snake that was on the jet today? There was a snake on a jet. They had to land the thing and someone got bit by a snake. Crazy. Crazy days we're living in. But we're living in safe days. Amen? Verse 7. Read it with me. Could we get it up there? Psalm 91 verse 7. Amplified version. That would be awesome. Amen? Time for another shout. How about a little Wednesday night shout? Verse 7. They're having trouble. No, I, I'm not having trouble. Verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. And here's what your attitude's got to be. But it ain't going to come near me. You got to get a little sassy where the devil's concerned. Hey, look, Mr. Devil, I got authority over you. You're under my feet. Amen. That feels good just to preach that. Verse 8. Now listen. He says, only, ready, read. Only a spectator shall you be, yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High, as you witness the reward of the wicked. Verse 9. But because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. And we don't talk that way in this day and age. We don't talk about tents. We don't live in tents. We live in homes. We don't ride mules. We ride automobiles. But it's not going to come near your home. It's not going to come near your babies. I'm telling you, you've got to stand up. You've got to hold the blood of Jesus against your loved ones. The enemy's out after your children. He's out after your babies. You've got to say, in the name of Jesus, I apply the blood over my loved ones. I plead the blood over my tent. I plead the blood over my car. Amen. Verse 11. This is shouting ground right here. For he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. The qualifier there is of obedience and service. 
They shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse 13. You ready to do some treading tonight? He said, you shall tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. Tread on him. And then in closing, look at Psalm 91, verses 14 through 16. I just dropped by tonight to encourage you a little bit. Live in him. There's going to be things come our way. But he says he'll keep us in all our ways. Amen? Because, in fact, he is the way out. There's not any temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. But our God is faithful, who will not suffer us to go through something that we're not having the ability to stand up in his name and apply the blood and come out the other side smelling like a rose. Oh, Rabba Sataya. Nishtola Pakasata, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went through the fire, but they came out of the fire, and they didn't even smell like the smoke. Amen? They came out through the fire victorious. You know why? Because there was a fourth man in the fire. I can hear Oral Roberts preaching, Who is that fourth man? In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, glory to God, right on through the book of Revelation. We got the fourth man. The fourth man shows up. Amen. Psalm 91, verse 14 through 16, because he, that's you and me, because we're living in him and we're setting our love on him, therefore will I. We do our part. He says, therefore will I, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he, that's you and me, we have known and proclaimed his name. We shall call upon him and he will answer us. I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. You know, if God says he will be with us in trouble, that means to me and to you that he's not sending the trouble. Why would he want to send the trouble and then all of a sudden be with us in trouble? It doesn't make sense. No, the troublemaker is the devil. He is a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to trouble. But he says, look, in this verse, he said, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Read verse 16 with me. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Salvation's an all-inclusive word. It's total deliverance. It's perfect well-being. How many of you want to see the goodness of God in the land of your life? I want to see his salvation show up big, not only for me, but for you. I want to see his deliverance show up big in the Bay Area. I'm calling in people out of darkness, amen, that are so bound up by darkness. Praise God. We're calling them out of darkness into the light, amen. I desire God to show up and show out big time in the time we have left here on earth. So set your love on him, saints. Live in the secret place of the most high. It is the safest of the safe. Amen.